Welcome, welcome. Oh, goodness me. It has been a long old hibernation <laughs> since I recorded my last podcast episode. Um, slightly embarrassed. It's almost, uh, well, it was the 1st of December, the last one I recorded, and now here we are on the 31st of January. But actually, what I can say is that I have been deeply embodying what I preach, which is that I have been really wintering and I've been really taking it slow. Certainly over the midwinter and Yule, I went into a really deep, restorative, restful space. And now um, just feeling that real emergent energy. Um, and that's exactly what I wanted to come on and talk about today, uh, was to share a little bit about Imbolc and the significance of this time. Um, and some of the kind of traditions and aspects to that, and also the oils which I have been working with. Um, so welcome welcome to episode five of this tender life and this is going to be uh yeah all about in bulk and the oils you can use to support yourself during this emergent moment in the wheel of the year so I want to start by saying that really I um, the idea for recording this came from the fact that I hosted a beautiful event on the weekend. I hosted an event called Ascent and Sound Circle, which I'm doing as part of a year-long journey with a friend of mine, Carly, who is an amazing sound healer who's based in Plymouth, um, Carly Seller. I will link her Instagram actually in the show notes for this episode because she also offers online kind of distant healing with the sound as well um so she's yeah we we met a while ago we were we got connected just over a year ago and she came and shared some sound on a retreat that I held last year for Galentine's and then we sort of really wanted to dream into what we could do in a longer term and how we could weave the scent and sound because they go so beautifully together and really organically this idea of doing a journey through the wheel of the year together came came to us so uh, we started in the midwinter actually we started with yule for the winter solstice and then just this weekend in plymouth we hosted our second one in the journey and that was the journey for in bulk so personally i have followed the wheel of the year for quite a while now um it was something that really came more into my awareness when we started our kids at a steiner school um which, you know, we started when my daughter, my eldest, was about nine weeks old. So, you know, when I became a parent, I started to become much more aware of this wheel of the year and the way that it kind of, the way that we can journey with it. Um, because in Steiner education, um, especially in the early years, the rhythm is very much formed around seasonal festivals. Um, and they tend to look at them from the perspective of the Christian um, meaning simply because that is the prevalent religion in, you know, in Northern Europe where Steiner lived and, and where, this, where we are currently based. So, um, but really the sort of deeper uh, origins of these festivals lays in sort of pagan and Celtic past um, and over time I've just become more immersed in them and actually what I find is that by journeying consciously with the wheel of the year we have this very very hopeful outlook on life um, and I have found it personally to be deeply deeply healing 
to just come back into alignment with that rhythm. It's something so primal and so eternal that it kind of really gives me a lot um, in terms of my own healing journey. It kind of gives me that anchoring and that knowing um, that this too shall pass. And there's something so beautiful about building a relationship with the Wheel of the Year and then feeling that familiarity as each of those seasonal holidays come around again. So maybe you already know a bit about this, um, but for those of you who don't, I think I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on the kind of the, the festivals overall. And in the Wheel of the Year and the kind of uh, Celtic tradition, there are eight festivals throughout the the yearly cycle um, and there are the four which are really well known the solstices and the equinoxes you know people really tend to kind of identify with them and have that awareness of them um, especially you know in the countries where we have daylight savings that's those sort of tend to land around the, the equinoxes and um, and obviously the solstices are kind of pivotal moments which are more commonly spoken about but also on top of those four there are four other festivals that also punctuate the year and they are known as the cross-quarter festivals and they are no less significant uh, just due to the fact that they're less visible. They are also like really really pivotal moments um, and in bulk is one of the cross-quarter festivals and in those cross-quarter festivals we're really looking at the kind of the new energy which is coming in um, and you know, you have the solstices where you have the extreme darkness in the winter and the extreme light in the summer. You have the equinoxes, which have the balance when light and day are of equal length. And then you have the cross-quarter festivals that really each have like their own very unique essence and their very unique kind of energy and frequency that they bring. Um, and they really do, to me, feel like such pivotal moments in the year um, and actually they are I almost prefer them <laughs> to the others uh, so um, so so in bulk um, in bulk is known as the festival of earth's awakening um, and acknowledges the potential for manifestation which is really really available to us at this time it's the midway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox um, and it's really important at these moments that we sort of allow space for our intuitive self to be heard. So hopefully you have also been able to kind of do some wintering and be in that hibernal sort of space. Um, and, you know, ideally we should be really turning inward um, through the winter months and really kind of working in that fertile void, cultivating wisdom um, through the winter, which we can now draw on as we move into the more active phase of the year. So, you know, at the winter solstice, the sun stood still for three days. And then ever since then, the days have been getting ever so subtly lighter. Um, and it's so beautiful actually because our, our Yule festival, our Yule circle that we held in Plymouth, uh, we held, you know, we did it from 2pm to 5pm just before the midwinter solstice um, and then we had our in bulk circle at the same time of day this weekend and already the difference in the amount of light was so 
noticeable and even just like energetically on the day that we had the ceremony we I went for a walk in the morning it was mild it was about 10 degrees warmer than it had been and I went to Dartington Gardens which is a beautiful space near me and there's a whole huge bank of snowdrops and the week before I had been there and they were not out yet. The shoots were there, but they weren't out. And then I went this weekend, just a couple of days before Imbolc, and there they were, just this blanket of snowdrops. And there will be more. You know, more will grow, for sure. I, I know how many come up in that space, but they were there, you know, and they were really present. And snowdrops are very, very much the flower of Imbolc. Um, and so it really is like a moment where we start to feel that exhale of like, yes, Spring is coming. Spring is coming. Um, and really, in terms of like the kind of alchemy and the magic of Imbolc, it really lies in the merging of our intuition with action. So we've cultivated this wisdom, we've opened up to listen to the whispers of our soul and our intuition through the midwinter, and now we're coming to this phase where there's this outward push of energy and we also are ready to push outwardly in our lives. Um, and this union of intuition and action can bring about new growth. So not just in the earth, but in, in our lives as well. And historically, our ancestors believed that the triple goddess, which was the sort of embodiment of all living things, had returned to her virgin self at this time. Um, and she was referred to as Brigitte or um, Breed, and uh, she was the maiden and the keeper of the sacred fire. So the attributes that we associate with Imbolc include intuition, inspiration, divination, and the spark of life. Um, and, you know, much of this is represented in the sort of mythology around Breed or Brigitte, and, um, and the, you know, there's lots of myths, actually, around this story which is linked to Imbolc in Celtic tradition. So, um, you know, the one that I have most commonly heard and been referred to is that of this enchanting young maiden named Brigid, who um, initiated a young king in really like a deeply sort of spiritual and sexual experience. Um, and sort of the message behind it is this sort of secret magic of Imbolc, which is this fertile power of the young woman representing kind of the power of the unconscious and the divine feminine spark of intuition and then the kind of active outer consciousness which is represented by the sun king uh, you know this kind of young king and it's the merging of these two energies through which new life new ideas and growth and manifestation can really be created. So this is, you know, but it's represented, there's many, there's so many layers of mythology and folklore around this, but this is this essence, this kind of merging of the kind of, um, the, the sort of divine feminine and this kind of intuition and, and creation um, and then the sort of action and the kind of outer consciousness, which is represented by the, the king. Um, and it's important to note at this point that really our ancestors, they, they viewed the Virgin very, very differently than we do now. Um, it has been one of the biggest uh, like paradigm shifts, I think, um, in 
the last 500 years. So um, really like ancestrally speaking, the, the Virgin was viewed uh, to, as like very, very powerful and her kind of youthful sexuality and her potential for fertility was really, really powerful and it was sort of revered um, and she was considered not dangerous but yeah she just sort of had this power around her um, and really as the early Christian church sought to kind of overpower the Celtic and, and pagan traditions there was this very significant shift around the virgin and the perception of the virgin and the virgin energy was sort of transformed into more this kind of representation of kind of purity and in this very patriarchal way and innocence as opposed to sort of power and sacred femininity and wisdom. Um, so, you know, the, the way that our Celtic and, and pagan ancestors would have worshipped the goddess of Bridget was actually transferred by the church into the worship of the Virgin Mary. Um, and interestingly, the this particular festival, Imbolc, which was the sort of celebration of, of the goddess Bridget, um, became in the Christian church known as the, the Candlemas, which was also the purification of the Virgin Mary. Um, and it's really, it's, it's really interesting to consider that as the, the mother of God, um, really her, her virginity is the most emphasised aspect of Mary, uh, despite the fact that it's completely inexplicable. Um, so she kind of, in the kind of stories around it, Mary, this virgin mother, becomes this sort of passive and meek and subordinate um, woman who is almost without sexuality. Uh, entirely kind of void of it, uh, removing really all of the attributes of Bridget and, you know, who was her predecessor in this festival. Um, and I, yeah, I really just feel like this kind of the way that this uh, perception has been flipped on its head has been really one of the most significant uh, paradigm shifts for us as a um, as a collective because it's not just women who are impacted by this it's also men because really like Bridget and this festival in, in, in particular is very much about intuition inner reflection the unconscious the inner voice and the erasure of that doesn't it's not limited to women you know men are also impacted by this because they are also shortchanged and sort of disconnected from these really vital aspects of themselves so, um, yeah, so it, it, I'm always aware of these at, the, at these festivals. And, and the thing is, you know, essentially, like, um, these, these uh, ancient festivals, when we start to tune into the, the meanings behind them and we remember them, it is like a homecoming, or at least it has been for me. I think, you know, I, my ancestral lineage is very much in Northern Europe and I really feel like a deep, deep connection to these festivals. And, and the more I, I connect to them year over year over year, the more I feel this homecoming with every turn of the wheel. Um, yeah, I, I can't kind of say it in any other way than that, that it is this kind of loving familiarity 
for every aspect of our experience. And the faith as well, that as we move through the wheel and things die and fall away, that also things will grow again. Um, you know, I was just sort of saying to a friend this morning about how people often talk so negatively about January and how it's like this really dark and difficult time and, you know, so bleak and depressing. And I just don't find it to be so because for me, you know, celebrating Yule and sort of 20, 21st of December, at that point, the days are getting longer again. And it's like you have to kind of struggle to notice it initially. But now here we are six weeks later and I can really see it. Um, and, you know, likewise, the snowdrops are coming through and soon there'll be crocuses and then there'll be daffodils and then all the wildflowers will come again for Beltane. And yeah, it just sort of it's this beautiful, reassuring rhythm on the spiral. So also to say that in kind of Celtic mythology, there was around this time a slumbering serpent who would awaken from hibernation um, and emerge from its hole on Imbolc Eve. Um, and in the pagan and Celtic times, serpents were really associated with this inspiration and aspiration and healing. And, um, and the paths of earth energy were known as serpent paths. And it's at this time of year when they are becoming reactivated and, and vibrant and sort of vital again with life, with life force powering through them. So here where I am in the Northern Hemisphere at this time, the days are beginning to lengthen. And even though it's cold, we can really feel that the earth is starting to waken up. We see the buds appearing on the trees. Um, and yeah, like I say, you know, the snowdrops and the crocuses, they're all beginning to like force their way up through the frozen earth. Um, and whilst we may have kind of cultivated a real acceptance of winter, now you'll probably find that that will start to fall away and give way to the, the kind of inevitable urge to move forward. Um, and so now in bulk is really the time to prepare outwardly and inwardly for changes that may come. So planting seeds, but you know, seeds in the garden, yes, and seeds of ideas, um, you know, and, and allow them to germinate now. And you can kind of bring your inner understanding out through kind of creative aspects. You know, creativity is a really beautiful, um, avenue to kind of dance down in a way of like tapping into what is in your soul what is in you waiting to be birthed um and you know emerging from this sort of dark and unconscious midwinter divin uh, divination and clairvoyance are still really powerfully potent you know we're still really kind of we've still got one foot slightly in the darkness we're not quite quite there yet. Um, so we're kind of still really able to kind of channel through wisdom from our deep subconscious. Um, and, you know, we, we spent six months in descent from June down towards the midwinter. Um, and even though at the at the midwinter solstice, obviously that's the point when the days began to lengthen again, it's really here at Imbolc that we we begin to emerge from our incubation and rest. And after that deep rest and that kind of wintering and hibernal time, we are like Bridget. We are that kind of powerful and potent and fertile maiden 
emerging um, into the world. And in six months' time, we will meet with Lamas, the kind of uh, cross-quarter festival that lands at the beginning of August, and it's the festival of the first harvest. So now is the time to sort of reflect on what are the seeds that I'm sowing, and what's the harvest I want to reap. You know, that's really what we're looking at here at Imbolc. It's also a time for initiation and for healing. So reclaiming the parts of ourselves that have been forgotten, um, you know, and actually in this kind of modern and very patriarchal world, it's even more important that we cultivate our intuition and we allow ourselves to receive those divine sparks of inspiration when they come, you know, cutting down on distractions, cutting down on screen time, on alcohol, on artificial stimulants like caffeine and sugar, you know, all of these things that we are so exposed to only really seek to separate us from our intuition. And the more that we can kind of clear away some of that, the more we can be available for those divine sparks of inspiration when they come. Um, so yeah, so it's really my belief that, you know, actually we are conscious souls that kind of choose to incarnate at different times. I feel very much that, you know, I chose to come through at this time through the parents I came through and I believe that my children's souls consciously chose to arrive through me. Um, and whether you kind of feel in alignment with that or not, you know, the, you know, I feel that we've consciously incarnated at this time to kind of collectively embody the dreams and the visions of a new age. But, you know, even if you, even if that's not your belief system, that you can still have this awareness that we are all here at a time for a reason. Um, but ultimately arriving at this time, we are sort of bound by generations of really powerful conditioning and generational patterns, um, many of which, you know, have been aggressively in motion for like 500 years or more, you know, especially with the kind of, yeah, when kind of Christianity took, took over as the predominant religion in Northern Europe um, and how that affected, you know, with the witch trials and the introduction of mechanized time and this sort of conscious disconnection from nature um you know we generationally you know we've all experienced that and so for me that is why like coming back to this wood of the year something that predates all of that is this deeply healing experience um because when i come back to it i kind of find that space again where i am not afraid of the fertile void i can go into deep winter and sort of find the seed of a new vision and a new way of being and then you know now emerging from that incubation period this vision is sort of stronger and I feel more galvanized in what that is um, and then I can also work with this rising earth energy the, the rising serpent to actually elevate uh, to the higher timeline for myself as we move into this new season. Um, so it is, it's a sort of potent magic to be tuning into these seasons and really, really working with the energies that are available to us at this time. And then of course, it's really potent to then bring in the power and the 
alchemy of the oils. So um, if you don't already know this, I am a doTERRA wellness advocate. So I work with doTERRA essential oils and I do that because they are the purest and the highest quality oils that are available on the market. And that's really important to me because I want to know when I'm working with tools for divination or for healing, that they have been produced in a way that is not just delivering a really beautiful product, but it's also honoring the people on the other side of the bottle and the land in which the plants are grown. And that's something that I can feel really, really sure of with doTERRA. And because of the way that they work and the purity and the fact that the oils are so um, kind of created with so much respect um, and so much kind of... Uh, yeah, kind of uh, uh, right relationship with the earth, um, it means that they really do carry the most incredible frequency. So everything is energy. Uh, every Everything that we can perceive is a different energy vibration. Um, it's just things vibrating, energy vibrating at different frequencies. <laughs> that's, that's what everything is. Um, and oils are no different. So I really do find though that the vibration of the oils from doTERRA is unlike any other, um, simply because of the purity, um, as I say. So before our ceremony um, this weekend, I was really feeling into what would be the plants to work with to support us in this time. And two came forward to me, which is Clary Sage and Tulsi. So I just wanted to chat to you a bit briefly now about those oils. And it's really amazing because actually they came through just very intuitively, like they came into my mind and my heart. And I was like, yes, these are the oils I want to work with for this for this um, festival. And then I started doing my research. And I absolutely love this about the oils because they allow you to be so intuitive. Um, and your intuition is so right. <laughs> it's like whatever you think you need you need. Um, so yeah, just I'll, I'll introduce them both to you. So Clary Sage is the oil of vision and perspective um, and is very much sort of focused around intuition and birthing and euphoria. Uh, so it's a powerful oil for balancing our third eye chakra, uh, which is all about our intuition and the way we see the world. Um, so Clary Sage really supports us in working with both our logical mind and our intuitive mind um, and bringing harmony uh, so that we're able to understand our lives. And so you may see the similarity between the kind of mythology and the folklore around Imbolc and this merging of the intuition and the action and the inner and the outer. Um, so yeah, at first that's, you know, the first big like green flag. Yes, this is a great oil for this time. Really so much sitting and resting in that energetic space of that kind of yeah, the harmony that we need to bring between our intuition and our action. Uh, Clary Sage is also known to really enhance our psychic ability and to refine our intuition. Um, so when we're working with the third eye, you might want to take some Clary Sage and anoint your third eye before meditation. And you'll find that this is really calming um, and it will help to kind of open the psychic and the intuitive mind. So it really helps us to think for ourselves. 
Um, and it can also help our body, especially if you're someone who works with energy or you're energetically very open, you might find that working with clary sage can help your body to kind of filter all the messages which are coming from the different realms. Like if you have a, if you feel like there's a lot coming through you and to you, clary sage can feel really protective and really just calming to kind of filter out all of those energies that are coming towards you. Um, and energetically, uh, the, the oils are all kind of, you can work with corresponding energies for them. And in terms of clary sage, the animal energy which comes forward is the blue jay which is the bird of the third eye chakra um, and known as the bird of the earth. So she's all about how, how do I receive the universal wisdom of mother earth? You know, that is, that is the kind of the magic of the blue jay, kind of how do I receive that wisdom? Um, and Clarice Age also kind of connected to the planet Jupiter, which is the ruler of Thursday and the zodiac astrological sign of Sagittarius. So a beautiful affirmation that you can work with when you're using your Clarice Age is, I invite euphoria into my creations. Um, it's a beautiful affirmation that you can work with at this time while you're kind of dreaming into what you'd like to birth for the year ahead. I invite euphoria into my creations. Um, and then the next oil that came forward to me was Tulsi, or Holy Basil, um, the oil of significance. I love Tulsi. So my love affair with Tulsi started in 2010 when I was in India and I would just drink a lot of Tulsi tea. Um, and Tulsi is a very, very sacred herb in kind of Hinduism and in India. Um, and often people plant a lot of kind of Tulsi in their front garden at their house because she has this very welcoming energy um, and also invites the presence of the divine, the divine feminine. Um, in India, Tulsi is known as uh, sometimes known as the incomparable one or the elixir of life or the queen of the herbs um, and it's very much about kind of bringing in blessings and protection and also offers us the gift of spiritual integration um, so in, when you want to work with Tulsi you want to you can work with Tulsi to sort of rise up in your life um, and it's a fascinating herb so it's actually an adaptogen um, and it can help the body adapt to kind of changes and stresses that are in our life so it's a brilliant herb to work with or oil to work with if you are suffering with anxiety and overwhelm um, but kind of on a spiritual level she helps us to rise above trivial things so helps us from getting trapped in the kind of uh, when we get caught in the kind of mundanities of life, when we're sort of stuck in the trivialities, Tulsi can help us rise up and live in our highest timeline. You know, exactly, again, that same energy for Imbolg, like what fulfills you? What ignites your passions? What are you here to contribute? What's the harvest you want to reap? Tulsi is for our spiritual mission and kind of stops us from worrying about others and helps us to focus on our passions 
um, it's actually kind of considered to help with physical and mental and emotional catharsis. So really beautiful for kind of getting rid of what no longer serves us and inviting in harmony, uh, which is so, yeah, like we want to bring in that kind of harmonious action, that intuitive action um, as we step into this kind of spring energy that's coming. Um, and the kind of bird, um, or the animal energy which comes forward for Tulsi is the falcon. Um, so a bird of prey, which is very regal and in control and has this sort of bird's eye perspective. And again, Tulsi is connected or ruled by the planet Jupiter, uh, which again has this sort of Sagittarian energy, which is very much about expansion and the bigger picture and planning and vision. And that is that kind of in bulk energy again that we are trying to embrace and cultivate at this time um, so that we can step into a really powerful and creative six months in this outward energetic time um, before we kind of come back in again on ourselves in the autumn. Um, and an affirmation that you can use when working with Tulsi could be, with ease and grace, I navigate my day. Like the falcon, like that kind of bird of prey soaring overhead with an eye on every detail. With ease and grace, I navigate my day. So those were the oils which really came to me um, as sort of allies for Involk and I have been working with them really really closely um, with doTERRA because the oils are so pure you can use many of them internally and personally I have been adding a drop of Tulsi to my cacao every morning. I do have a little cacao ceremony with myself every day um, and I tend to, I don't tend to mix my cacao with anything other than warm water and then I just add one drop of an oil which I will tune into and again just working really intuitively like what do I need um, and when I realized that I was going to be working with these oils for Imbolc I, I really started bringing that in and, and inviting the oil of significance into my Tulsi and I really do feel a shift working with these oils you know having that bigger vision for my life and the life of my family and also stepping over some small obstacles that may previously have stood in the way of my vision um, in a way that I really didn't expect. <laughs> so uh, if you follow me on social media, you will see more of what's unfolding with that over the next few months. But, um, you know, all I can say for now is that the vision for the year is it's pretty big <laughs> and I'm and I'm very very grateful to be sort of supported by the oils as I as I step towards it so if you're catching this podcast and you, this is all new to you and you're new to me um the best thing I can do is say come and find me on Instagram where I basically live um and you will see that I'm sharing lots about this stuff as I go throughout my day-to-day -day life here in Devon anyway um, but if you have any questions about oils um, and would like to find out more about doTERRA oils, you can yeah either find me on Instagram, I'm at tender underscore union, or you can hop across to my website, which is just www.tenderunion.com. Um, and from there, you can, you can reach out and send me a message on WhatsApp via the website, or you can 
sign up to my newsletter and get like a sort of monthly dose of this in your inbox. And when you sign up to my newsletter, you also do receive a free welcome gift, which is an ebook I created called Rhythm of the Earth. And it's a handbook for seasonal living. So it has lots of ideas around um, the different festivals and there's a blend for each festival and some sort of rites and traditions and yeah, just a bit of a background on all of them to inspire you to sort of deepen that connection as well. So I hope you found this interesting. I hope you found it insightful and exciting. So Inbox officially isn't until the 2nd of February. So I wanted to drop this before then so you had some time to really feel into that rising energy. Um, and if this has been interesting, I would love it if you could share the podcast. It's a new thing. Um, and, you know, I would love to get it out there to more people. So if you found it interesting, please do share and tag me so I can see that it's reaching people. Um, and like I said, definitely hop along and come and find me on social media where I'm sharing more of my everyday life. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, wherever you're listening to this and whenever you're listening to this, I hope you find it uh, helpful. And I can't wait to connect with you over on Instagram very soon. All right, my darlings, have a beautiful day, a beautiful in bulk um, and sending many blessings.